This podcast is from the team at Healthcare IT Leaders, a national leader in IT consulting and workforce solutions serving top U.S. hospital systems. You can support our show by leaving a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening. Now here's our latest episode. We realized about three and a half years ago that healthcare really didn't present or support experience that the patients deserve. They see that experience in airline industry, banking industry, car industry, everywhere else, Amazon, Google. If you go shopping, the experience is personal. The experience is thoughtful and automated, and it's also regenerative. It's giving you information that you may not know. Oh, here's another thing that you'd like to purchase from us because we know you purchased these other things in the past. That is AI. That's experience that we would like to garner into our environment around New Vance Health, around healthcare overall. From healthcare IT leaders, you're listening to Leader to Leader with Ben Hilmes. On today's episode, our guest is Dr. Albert Villarin, the Chief Medical Information Officer at Nuvance Health, an integrated health delivery network serving New York and Connecticut. Dr. Villarin trained in emergency medicine and turned his passion for technology into a career as a CMIO. Dr. Villarin, how are you? Good, thank you. Good. Welcome to the show. It's going to be an action packed. We're going to talk big topics like AI. We're going to drill into the role of CMIO. A lot has happened in that role over the last couple of decades. Anxious to get your perspective. And then lastly, we'll land on just your overall leadership journey. It's very interesting in uh, your, your interaction and as being in the military and through the army and how that's impacted and established your overall journey. So excited to chat with you today. So let's Let's start with a big, big topic, AI. Everybody we talk to, you know, has a bold statement that it's going to absolutely transform care delivery. I would love to hear kind of your perspective on that broader statement, but then maybe drill down it a little bit more around how do you think it's going to impact care delivery over the next 12, 24, 36 months? Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. I think from an AI perspective, those who are in, in, in the informatics world have been dealing with automation, robotic process automation for 20 years. We've had it around clinical decision support. We have it around rules written in our EMR. So we understand the facilitation and the advantage of having that within your environment to bring better care, easier patient out, better patient outcomes, safer processes and really start building the evidence-based medicine practice that we can deliver through uh, uh, these guidelines within our EMR. So when they first started EMRs, migration around 2010, 2015, we started implementing all these processes and workflow changes to really help garner a better outcomes, both from a clinical perspective for the patient, but also from a uh, ordering perspective around clinical care that needs to be learned and taught at the bedside. So an attending who's been practicing for 20 years knows the guidelines. A medical student, a first-year resident needs to learn those those guidelines. And then when they get the alerts and pops up, it helps them guide the outcomes for a better care of the patient. Artificial intelligence, or I call it augmented intelligence. As we know, grew up nine, nine months ago, 10 months ago, it became part of everyday conversation. Those conversations are had at every level, from our president down to the bedside, across domains, fellow CMIOs. And we're all looking at it in a little bit different depending on where our 
our experience has been and where our experience wants to be. From our perspective, uh, we're looking at it as enhancing two factors. One, patient outcomes, of course. So patient safety, patient quality is, is pr premier for any, any clinical uh, care provider anywhere in, in the network, ours and others, but also uh, reducing the burden of healthcare. We want to bring the joy back to healthcare. We want to bring the experience a positive engagement not just for the patient who needs to have the clinician speaking to them and not typing on a computer, but also for the clinicians to reduce the work, automate the everyday mundane repetitive tasks that we now can do with augmented or artificial intelligence. Now, for example, it can listen to an interaction with a patient, create a dictation model, apply that right into the EMR. So we have that information collected automatically rather than me having to stop the interaction with a patient, turn around and type what I need. Or worse is try to remember it after the patient leaves because I don't have time to do all that work when the patient's there, I have to go back and, and do it again later on. So that adds the quote pajama time or after hours time that stresses the clinicians out, it stresses the family members out because now that clinician is at home doing the work and also adds another burden that is really unnecessary at this time. So AI, where it stands today can help patient outcomes and support and provide the 80% of the knowledge that we don't have readily in our, in our minds for, for rare issues at the bedside, but also help us augment the 20% we do know at the bedside and enhance the care of those patients by giving us information that we wouldn't have otherwise. That's excellent. So, I mean, you're really taking it from a focus of how do I leverage AI to improve experience both at the patient level relative outcomes. And then at the same time, a big topic that we've been talking about for years, which is, you know, the the burden that's placed on the provider, burnout, et cetera. So improving their overall efficiency. And I loved the comment about bringing the joy back to medicine. It's something uh, I think a lot of people have been striving for. And I'm hopeful that some of the things you just talked about do come, come about as we uh, introduce some of these new capabilities. So Take this is it's always interesting to think, see how other organizations are thinking about new technologies, et cetera. Take us inside of New Vance and, and who's in the meeting, who's driving the strategy, who's take us through that dialogue around investment, et cetera, as it relates to AI, uh, certainly uh, in particular at New Vance. Uh, we have a tremendous leader uh, who is the chief quality officer who's looking at AI as a uh, cross-domain uh, uh, interaction that happens not just at the bedside, but at the, at the larger aspects. So uh, Diane, Dr. Diane Canteros in our, in our network has really become the, the, the voice of the need to have AI augmented robotic process automation around that, as well as IT. We're part and parcel of that. So we created a very high-level committee to oversee the, the, the guardrails, the policy, the protocols, the implementation, the outcomes, expectations, the robotic, sorry, the KPIs around what AI can produce for us. And then look at where we can have quick wins, whether it be at the burden from the EMR perspective or ED throughput workflows, having automated tasks being created, sending a text message to the patient that we delay because of their, uh, there's a trauma there. Those kind of things that people do today that are unnecessarily burdening anyone, clinical and non-clinical, 
driving that to the betterment of the experience. That experience falls under IT, falls under quality. It also falls under our, our um, experience leadership. So it really does cross domain. Dr. Contreras is looking at it from a, from a workflow perspective, enhancing patient outcomes and enhancing the quality of care that we give. That's a great, great way to start from, from any perspective. From an IT perspective for us is looking at the EMR, looking at where we can uh, better generate automation around that and looking at it from a uh, uh, collaboration with a vendor, our EMR vendor is working on those aspects of workflows today so we can deliver that listening documentation, focusing on the patient, uh, being able to talk to it as a person, pull up the patient's last A1C, please go ahead and schedule uh, an appointment for, for, for six months on a Wednesday at two o'clock. Those kind of interactions that we have asked people to do today can now be facilitated by the AI augmentation within our network. That's excellent. So a lot of, a lot of um, commentary publications around big concerns with AI relative to risk, ethical concerns. Elon Musk has even come out on the record saying it poses a greater risk than nuclear, uh, et cetera. How are you guys thinking about that inside your organization? And then specifically as the CMIO, what role do you play in those dialogues? The ultimate outcome is, is patient safety. So we want nothing that can open up risk to our environment from a patient safety perspective as priority one, patient outcomes, as well as opening up the uh, PHI patient health information to risk from the outside. Because, you know, chat 3.5 or chat 4, you're, 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 you're in, in the open world, right? You're putting something in the computer that is out there in the world that can be taken and used and garnered by another entity. You hope they are white hats and not black hats, but right. they're, they're out there listening and waiting for the opportunity to, to hit. As you can see right now in the last six months, there have been hundreds of hits around healthcare. To, to garner financial, patient information, et cetera, to the point that has shut down some healthcare uh, facilitators for, for months at a time. So we're very, very careful about what we open up to the outside world. We do separate that. We have people looking at the ability to use um, um, AI and, and chat around specific workflows, like create a, a GME protocol for um, bedside use for A1C for medical students to learn from. And it, it creates this, this curriculum around that. We're not using PHI, but we're utilizing AI to enhance the experience of education. The, the, the other aspect is trust. What we don't want to do is turn something on that creates a distrust for the patient. I think from a clinical perspective, we are ready for something like this to happen. From a patient perspective, there's two sides. People don't want to give their information to to facilitate health information exchanges. Now we have a whole AI protocol here that we have to explain to the patient why we have it and what we're doing with it in order to enhance their care. And just it just will take time. Healthcare is in need of it. The clinicians want it. Operations requires it. But patients are still a little bit lagging. Some are, are, are very proactive, but others lag. We hear that from, from the patients. And we want to make sure that, that everyone's ready to go when we turn this on in a secure environment within our uh, firewall. And any third parties that we do use that are using this are, again, evaluated and secured, of course, uh, through, through uh, the appropriate uh, protocols, et cetera.
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a tough environment because, you know, consumers experience different experiences based on, you know, what type of organization they're interacting with. And healthcare, we've always just been a little bit laggard, not a little bit, quite a bit laggard on, on adoption of uh, advanced technologies, in particular as it uh, relates to consumers. So I know that's a challenge and something you're you're spending some of your time on. But to that point, help me understand, you know, CMI roles vary greatly at organizations. And so help us understand how Nuvance thinks about the role of the CMIO. And secondly, how are you allocating your time uh, in that role? I think the the, the best uh, is, is talking about what happened the last four years. I joined Nuvance Health at the middle of the, the pandemic, April 2020, when there were fires everywhere and welcome aboard, here you go. And, 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 but you learn, you become agile. As, as a as retired uh, Army major, you become very facile and acute in your, in your environment to understand what's going on, what's needed to be solved immediately, and how you plan out the, the next uh, issue that may come across. The understanding of a CMIO has evolved. It's, it's been evolving since we first started. CMIO 1.0, 2.0, and now we're on 3.2 or 3.5 with the AI integration. It's all evolving, but I think it's evolving in a better way. It allows more interaction now to listen to the clinician's needs, to understand the data, and to use evidence-based practice back into the workflow. So then when we create new processes and policies, uh, and interaction with the clinicians. When I say clinician, it's nurse, APP, physician, all as one. We work together as one, and we have nursing informaticists, and we have physician informaticists as a team working together to improve the overall environment and care delivery at New Vance Health. The CMIO is a, an evolving role, not just for the needs of the network, but also the needs for the person in that position. I have to be up to date. I have to be more educated. Advancing care, advancing new knowledge becomes part of my responsibility. So I can take the knowledge that's out there, distill it down to to the basic understanding and deploy it to our network. So learning, interacting with the the leadership at every level from the the president, CEO, all the way to the frontline staff and being friends and understanding their needs and be respectful. For the military, my, my saying was service above self, giving back and understanding their needs to be a, a servant leader was probably the one of the best uh, understanding of how to be a leader that, that I've, I've, I've come across and adopted from all my practice. Um, returning emails, calling people back, saying we'll take care of the problem really reduces the, the, the burden on their needs. And really, from my perspective, it isn't a burden at all because we have the answers we can give back to those folks. Uh, building that trust, uh, building that time to go on site, to be a collaborator, a colleague, and, and, and an innovator all at once is still an evolving process. But again, as new technology comes in, as new workflows are, and new people come in, you continue to, to improve yourself as a CMIO and leadership across the network. I love that. I'm, I'm a, a big, big fan of responsiveness, say-do ratios, uh, all of those things are incredibly important as you, you know, try to serve others and advance others and help people drive change. So really, really great answer. Um, old topic, but EMR adoption. So it's something, I mean, I've spent 25 years in this space and uh, 
not one year has gone by that we this isn't a topic. But where do you think we are? I mean, are we there or have we just gotten to acceptance and would love to hear your perspective, how you think about it relative to advancing, you know, provider capabilities. You spoke earlier about overall burnout, those kinds of things. But where do you think we are on on that whole topic? And can we finally put that to rest? Uh, it depends on who you ask, right? From <laughs> my perspective, I, I see all three sides, right? I see the clinicians. Uh, the grass is always greener. We have something, but we don't have that. We need that to come here. Another another vendor, and 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 you ask the CMIOs of that vendor, they want what you have because there's different workflows that could be addressed and, and created within those environments. So, it really is uh, an understanding of what the clinical needs are by by what you're trying to give. Um, I don't think you can put it to bed, but I think you can embrace it and use it as a, as, as a motivator. What changes do you need me to make, us to make, the vendor to make, healthcare to make? I'm going to create the, the rings because those rings matter. What does the legislative government have to play in this? How do you improve payer mix? How do you improve the, the, the responsibilities of our health information exchange? All of those play in to the success of the experience at the bedside. That graphic user interface, what I see is what is real. That they don't care about anything else behind that. So if I cannot deliver it in a fast manner, in a quick load, in a complete, and in a, in, in a universal manner, then, then there's something missing. And I have to listen to the clinicians to say what's missing and go back to the vendor, our infrastructure team, our IT leadership, our network, our legislator, bodies in Connecticut and New York to address those needs to bring better care. Uh, we have different legislative bodies, East and West, in our network, Connecticut and New York. They have different ways of looking at issues. Some of the advancements we made in, in one side are not able to be made on the other side until later on this year or next year. And the clinicians talk, why can't we do this? Because we're restricted. And that understanding of why goes a lot goes very far in helping the clinicians understand that this is improvements are coming. We have to take time to get there. Going out and finding new innovations, hearing what the vendors have to say is an exciting part of the job. But translating that and telling them, we know the vendors are looking at this. We know it's going to be better, but when is it going to come to us? What's the time frame? What's the cost? All those other factors that are involved in bringing that experience to the bedside is something that the CMIOs nationally are undergoing today. Um, I, I, I take every challenge as an opportunity to change, make it better. I'll get text messages. I'll get phone calls. I get upset and I get happy people too. Thanks for the great job. That worked out really well. Creating new ideas and garnering is an important part of the job. So communications, showing, showing growth, easy, quick fixes, and helping the, the network understand from a from a uh, communication perspective is an important part of, of reducing the, the negativism that goes on around experience and make it a positive for clinicians to help direct that. Reaching out and inviting clinicians, nursing, APPs, physicians into the discussion is, is, was, was, was great because once you bring them in, you meet with them and say, okay, show me the issues you're having. Oh, we see that and we're gonna take that to the vendor. Utilizing direct experience both communicating to the clinician and communicating to the to the resource to solve that problem is is a win for everyone because the clinicians know you're actually making a difference. 
to improve what they're experiencing. That builds trust and that builds uh, an operational understanding of where we're headed together as a team. I love it. I, I think it's a it's an ongoing journey, one that continues to advance as we digitize more in, in the space. And and uh, I don't know if we'll ever be able to put the stake in the ground and say we're done. Um, but, you know, maybe that's part of the beauty of it, too. So uh, but one thing that evolves people beyond just focused on the EMR is a massive movement into the digitization around the EMR, in particular around the consumer. And so terms like digital front door have become really, really popular inside health systems in the industry. I know you have a lot going on in that space. Do you want to share with the, the audience a little bit about what you're doing there and, and, and um, uh, just your perspectives on that topic in general? Right. We, we realized about three and a half years ago that healthcare really didn't uh, present or support experience that the patients deserve. They see that experience in airline industry, banking industry, car industry, everywhere else, every Amazon, Google. If you go shopping, the experience is personal. The experience is thoughtful and automated. And it's also regenerative. It's giving you information that you may not know. Oh, here's another thing that you'd like to purchase from us because we know you purchased these other things in the past. That is AI. That's the experience that we would like to garner into our environment around New Van's health, around healthcare overall. So we, uh, the CIO, Jeff Hook, stood up a, a team around this called Digital Patient Experience, DPX team, led by an AVP. That fo- her only focus was a limit on her, her focus was to support the understanding of where the patient experience lives and how to move it into a, 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 a better place. Because with the emails that go out, with the paper that goes out, with the communications that went out five years ago, that doesn't happen on Amazon, Google, purchasing online. We have to move the environment together. So using technology and utilizing patient experience, we've moved that needle way over to automate the process for patients allowing access to patient portals for the clinical information, uh, automating the uh, response to writing a prescription. Right now, we have an automated prescription text message that goes out to all our patients anywhere in the network that you write a prescription. It sends that a text message with the prescription information, where to pick it up, all around the patient experience. So now they just click the, 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 the text Put in their name and and so and so or, or birth date as as understanding uh, the uh, authentication and their information is right there available to them. So we've had a, a major migration in improving the patient experience around technologies, automating the process around the cloud, but also reducing the work and the burden that we have had placed on our staff to physicians, clinicians, whoever, the right prescription on paper, fax it or whatever. We want to reduce the faxing, we have anti-fax initiative going on to reduce the paper waste and automate the workflows from a patient experience model. So we've, we've come a, a long way. We're still garnering that aspect. We've put in automated uh, scheduling online. We've put in automated intake of registration for uh, pre-visit information coming in. So we've really facilitated the experience of the clinician as well as improving and reducing the burden to take care of those patients from our staff. That is, that's awesome. Uh, I know it's a journey, takes time, takes money, takes energy, but it sounds like you're well on the way. And, and I love the focus on, you know, creating a better experience. Uh, let's, let's talk health equity. 
for a minute. Um, you are uniquely using technology to drive equity initiatives. And I just learned a new term a little bit earlier called techquity. So I'd love for you to share with the audience how you're, you're really taking technology, combining that with equity efforts, HEDI efforts, and, and thinking about how that helps drive improvement. Right. This, you know, this, this came out two years ago around improving the patient experience. We haven't hit all the patients. There was a, a desire to improve health equity. So uh, I'm working with the medical director of health equity for our network, uh, Dr. Brenda Ayers, and myself, we got together and said, look, where does clinical workflow enhance the experience of the patients, moving us to equality of patient care for all? And where does technology fit into that and bringing that together? So work with her. But also the third part of the stool is the vendor. We worked with our vendor, our Oracle Health, to facilitate an understanding of why we want to bring technology into new events, et cetera. They embraced it. They, they, they supported it. And we've been able to present with them uh, as, as, a, as a collaborative trifecta, vendor, clinical, and IT in garnering support for the term techquity, others have used it, but we, we love that because it makes a lot of sense how we facilitate the better outcomes and better intake of those patients around the, the equality of care. Dr. Ayers has also worked with us to look at ways we can facilitate better EMR uh, 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 findings, meaning when rules were placed or created years ago that were given to the EMR vendors, they were based on rules that were biased. So uh, an African-American male had a different score in kidney function than a white male of the same size and same age. Now, that is a bias, implicit bias, but it's a bias nonetheless that we've worked with the vendors to remove. We looked at, uh, from, from a uh, nephrology perspective, uh, a VBAC uh, OB perspective so that women can have vaginal births after C-section. We look at a pulmonary perspective. So pulmonary function studies are equal and gone around and worked with eight service lines to remove the antiquated bias rules in our EMR to deliver more equitable care. Again, that was a big resonating factor, not just for New Vance Health to push this initiative forward, but a resonating piece that the vendors embraced and said, yes, we agree with you. We want to go back and look at our EMRs and remove those across uh, the, the, our, our, our clients. Giving our presentations around Techquity brought a shining light into those people in the audience that said, wow, we want to go back and do the same thing in our place. So hopefully a collaborative understanding of where technology and equity lives, both from a uh, a patient experience perspective, but also from an EMR perspective, improves care for all. And that's the goal here around our health equity initiative. I love it. I'm, I'm very hopeful it removes blind spots. We all have them. And, you know, if we can leverage technology to help bring awareness around some of those and drive formidable change in that space, I, I, I love it. So we're going to pivot now to your leadership journey. So you, you trained as an emergency physician you have a passion for informatics. Can I make the assumption at some point those things came together and drove the desire to be a CMIO? Um, would love to hear. Most CMIOs I know, they raised their hand in the wrong meeting and, and they, got, they got tagged with something to, to drive some technology efforts. But I'd love to hear your journey to CMIO 
and how that came to be. Thanks. So I received uh, an Army uh, uh, healthcare scholarship for medical school, took care of medical school, and then I served uh, in the Army, Fort Hood, Texas, I'm a resident there in emergency medicine. So that, uh, once you become uh, uh, an officer, so you're an officer as part of your, your uh, medical student, medical school years, but once you become assigned to a unit after residency, you are also assigned a, a job within that unit. I was assigned to the 4th Infantry Division, uh, I believe Bravo Company, which allowed me to facilitate uh, research around utilization of, of new technology. So we had smart cards back then. We could able to ping a satellite. So that got me interested in utilizing technology in my healthcare practice. So that's where it all started, I would say, in 1996 through 2000. And, and when I ETS left the military, it stayed with me into my, into my position as a civilian uh, at, at uh, an Einstein Healthcare Network in Philadelphia. That interest raised my hand and said, look, I want to use this part of it. CMILs weren't invented. They weren't, quote, discovered or invented, I guess, until maybe 20, 2005, 2006. By that time, established a credibility around technology utilizing at the bedside, took the 15 books that were on our side there in, in the emergency department and, and moved them all to a computer base. We, I created the it's called Edwin, Emergency uh, uh, Department Web-Based Interface Network, just a local server in our emergency department that was shared within our, uh, our ED so that people can garner information right there in the computer in front of them by a link on, on their dashboard rather than going to the books because we know we want to get the link, get the answer, and get back to the bedside as soon as possible. So, again, it all started there, all facilitating, improving the, the environment and thinking outside the box breaking the rules. We can do this. We have to utilize innovation and, and ask, why are we doing it the old way? Let's try to find a new way of doing it. The other aspect from the, from the Army, of course, is, is service, is supporting a, a collaborative team, is leadership. Um, in emergency medicine and in the military, it, it, for me, it was the exact same environment. You know, when you're out uh, in, in training, when you're in the ED, working on, on a very busy night, you, you have to rely on your colleagues. You're all equal there at the bedside. If a nurse, medical student, another attending say, hey, this is different. Let's look at this. You listen and, and you work together on a solution. That's the collaboration that has has nurtured my interest in, in, in leadership. And that's what I, I ta have taken from those years from the military and from emergency medicine and brought them to my service years as a CMIO at New Vance. That, that is awesome. Perfect. First and foremost, thanks for your service. Um, really appreciate that. I come from a long lineage of, of actually Army veterans, and so to, uh, appreciate your service and a lot of respect for that. Uh, you mentioned some things you took away from that experience. It, it inevitably has a you know, foundational uh, impact on anybody that ever spends time in the military, but how have you taken some of those lessons learned and incorporate those into your style today? It's it has to do with uh, understanding uh, all of those involved in your decision making process. You can't decide inside a silo. You need to understand the needs of everyone and then take those responses and understand the impact that you're doing for them and how that impact affects other people. Um, understanding what we've done at New Vance Health is actually taken two healthcare networks five years ago and merged them on paper to one with HealthQuest and Western Connecticut Health. 
uh, network merged together as New Vans Health. We're still you know, bringing together those pieces. And from the beginning, I felt that IT was the zipper to connect those two sides of the house, to unify the workflows, to create a guiding principle around which we still work today. Um, understanding that one change someplace will impact all. An ED change someplace will impact all the ED workflows across our network. So that drives the understanding that communication to those ED directors, for example, understanding the patient outcomes is unified, bringing together that collaborative uh, voice and really facilitating communication. As a leader, you want to facilitate change, but we create the, the committee, invite the leadership of those areas involved, and we support it. Let them lead for the best of their clinical outcomes. We help to facilitate with our, with our tools, our knowledge, and our informatics abilities to best facilitate those, uh, those success stories. That's great. So clarity, alignment, focus, end-to-end thinking, collaboration, communication, all really important tools as a leader to leverage as you, as you lead, drive change, and, and, and help improve things around you. So you're, you're a pretty busy guy. Uh, you got a big job. Uh, you, you've got a lot of initiatives going on inside your organization. Then you, you decide, Hey, I need to go back to school. So you're currently, you're currently pursuing an MBA on top of everything else you're doing. Um, you, you're not afraid of hard work, but the, the, the question would be, you know, what compelled you to say, I've got to go you know, expand my knowledge base, my uh, educational background, et cetera, at this point in your career? Because I think that's a, that's a really important point. Uh, help, help us see through your, your lens uh, that decision. I, I think I see it um, from a perspective, from a retroactive, perspe- retroactive perspective. I mean, looking back, if I had done the business understanding of healthcare 15 years ago, I wouldn't know what is the healthcare business today. So having that ability to do it today really gives me a reflection on what we're doing today and how to drive the future from today's benchmark. What we're doing today, Medicare, Medicaid, fiscally, that responsibility is there. Healthcare is a business. We are in the business to deliver care in the most fiduciarily responsible process, but also uh, from, a, from a perspective of the patient to give them the best care possible at the lowest cost. Understanding that and how what drivers there are will help me expand my IT knowledge from, as a medical informaticist, consolidate the clinical workflows of our understanding as an emergency physician, but also bring in that last piece of the business of healthcare. So from a CMIO perspective, I believe the three areas, informatics, clinical experience, and business experience in training and have credibility there is an important part of who I am, but how I lead into the future. So I can discuss with our financial people, with our business people, with our strategy people, what is a perspective from a clinical understanding that they would understand from their perspective. And as a clinician, the CMIO selfishly is is in the center of a lot of what we do in healthcare, clinical, IT, and business. And I have to be at top of my game so going back to school to add that extra piece makes the trifecta of success moving forward that much more better to achieve. Wow. I love that. It's just powerful. Um, and I think it stems back to your earlier comments about being a servant leader. The more well-rounded that trifecta helps you serve better. So 
I love that and really respect the fact that you're making that commitment. So one last thing, I need some advice here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of clinicians that listen to the show here and some of them might be thinking, huh, what about this IT thing, this CMIO thing? Uh, if you could give some advice to maybe some junior uh, uh, physicians or maybe even ones that are even more senior in their career that are considering a change, what advice would you give them about making a transition like that? It's, I believe it's a very important part of your career. Understanding what informatics does to healthcare better facilitate your ability to uh, excel in our new healthcare environment. We're not going backwards, we're going forwards, and we're going forwards at an accelerated rate. What EMRs have done for healthcare over the last 20 years, good or bad, is now being improved, enhanced, augmented by artificial intelligence. The 20-year change is going to be 18 months change when it comes to AI. So understanding technology is an important part of that. I believe we need to be teaching informatics at the medical school level. There should be a track, informatics every year, and understanding what the EMR does, what, what it can and cannot do, and why it's an important piece, and allow medical students and residents to interact with informaticists to garner the best abilities and knowledge to better their careers in the future. Uh, We've set up a clinical informatics uh, rotation with us. We're starting that in January to bring in residents who are interested in learning more about it. Just a two-week rotation, but give them an understanding. And hopefully one out of each year will want to join us in our our March for Innovation. Um, Technology is here to stay. It's everywhere. It is now part of healthcare. And the better you are in understanding it, the better you are at directing your own future in creating the abilities of change moving forward. Um, the, the abilities to come in can be at any time. We have, medic- we have medical students who are interested in informatics. We have attendings and we have volunteers that say, hey, I want to be part of your upgrade. We have an upgrade coming up in the spring. Count me in to be part of that change. I want to learn how, how you all do that. The interest is there. It's not for everybody, but it is a wonderful way to facilitate both innovative changes and improving the care delivery as well as clinical practice and and, and creating that balance is something that that a lot of people enjoy that is awesome well i i echo all your comments i appreciate the perspectives um i really appreciate your time it's a pleasure joining you today thank you for the opportunity dr valerian was really thoughtful we need more clinicians like him thinking about the impact of technology in healthcare. Here are my top takeaways from our conversation. One, AI is transformative innovation. Hospitals should prioritize ethics and patient trust in their AI programs. Two, equity is the use of technology to advance health equity. It requires leaders to acknowledge and root out biases in current systems that make healthcare less equitable. Three, the best CMIOs are a triple threat combining clinical and IT knowledge with a true understanding of the business and the economics of running a health system. So what'd you think? What were your big takeaways from the episode? I'd love to hear from you on our social media channels or drop me an email from our website at healthcareitleaders.com. Until next time, I'm Ben Hilmus. Thanks for joining us for Leader to Leader. To learn more about how to fuel your own personal leadership journey through the healthcare industry, visit healthcareitleaders.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any insights and we'll see you on the next episode.